Hello, it's Tech Fighter Worldwide for the week of May 13th, 2007. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in far less than an hour. That's because we leave out the sports, the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Last week I mentioned that I would stop saying TechBiter Worldwide, formerly Technology Corner, at the top of each podcast. So that wasn't a part of this week's podcast, except for when I just now said it. What I noticed, coincidentally, was that this is also the end of the first year of the program as a podcast. I'll talk about that a bit next week. This week, getting ready for Windows Vista. You don't just stroll down to the computer store, pick up a box of Vista, come home and install it. There's some homework you need to do first. You need to decide which of the four Vista products is the right one for you. And then you need to find out whether your computer is Vista ready. In fact, it would probably be a good idea to swap those two steps, find out if the computer is Vista ready, then decide which one you need. Then go to the store and get it. When you slip the installation DVD, and yes, it is a DVD, into your DVD reader to install Vista, the first thing that happens is it will suggest that you visit the Microsoft website to make sure your computer and your software are both Vista ready. If your computer doesn't have a DVD reader, it doesn't have to be a writer, but it does at least have to be a reader. If you don't have one of those on your computer, you can obtain, for at least a limited time, Vista on CDs. I knew that my computer would be generally ready for Vista. When I purchased it a year ago, I made sure that I had 2 gigabytes of fast RAM and a lot of disk space. But I knew that I'd need to check some of the external devices and all of the applications. So I started with Crucial.com's memory diagnostic, just to make sure that everything was okay there. Crucial told me that I was running Windows XP. I knew that. Told me that I had 2 gigabytes of RAM and that Vista required at least one, which is interesting because you'll now see computers being sold with Vista with only half a gig of RAM. Don't buy one of those. Make sure you've got at least one gigabyte and preferably two. It told me I had plenty of disk space, told me that I had an Intel Pentium dual CPU running at 3 gigahertz, and that Microsoft recommends at least 1 gigahertz. I wouldn't recommend installing Vista on a machine running anything under 2 gigahertz. And it told me that my graphics card memory had 256 megabytes of memory, and that Vista required at least 128, so everything was good there. After sliding the DVD into the player, and I remind you I have not yet installed Vista and won't be doing that for a few weeks, the first step was to download the Upgrade Advisor. Windows Vista Upgrade Advisor is designed to help Windows XP users identify whether their PCs are ready for an upgrade to Vista, which edition of Windows Vista meets their needs, and which features of Windows Vista will they'll be able to run on their PCs. The download is 7 megabytes. There's a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And you might wonder why this isn't included on the DVD. There's a good reason for not including it. If you put it on the DVD, it's burned there permanently. You can't change it. By having the advisor on the website, Microsoft can update it daily if need be. Microsoft also suggested downloading a hardware assessment tool, 22 megabytes. I did that, but I've not had to use it. 
and the hardware assessment tool requires the SQL Server 2005 Express. That download failed twice. I was able to get it directly from the Microsoft SQL Server 2005 Express page. This is a fairly large download, 234 megabytes. The advisor did find a couple of problems, one with a an external device and some software issues provided a very long and somewhat threatening-looking list. And you can see that list on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The list is actually nowhere near as bad as it looks. And Microsoft provides that as a file that can be printed. I turned it into a PDF, so let me open that here on the computer. It told me, as I already knew, that the CPU needed no action, that there was plenty of RAM, that I did have a DVD drive, that I had a DVD writer, and that the video card was fine, so no problems there. What I did notice was that my Epson scanner will not work with Windows Vista. It suggested for more information I could go to the device manufacturer's website. The last time I did a big upgrade, when I went from Windows 98 to Windows 2000, I had to retire another Epson scanner. That was because Epson no longer provided device drivers for Windows 2000. Well, this time, Epson's website says that it does have a Vista driver and that the scanner should continue to work with Vista. Big sigh of relief there. Scanning down further on the list, the Windows Vista advisor told me that it could not find information on some devices, a Sustine Universal Cable device, that is an infrared port on the system, told me that it couldn't find the LogMeIn mirror driver in its list of devices, or the Creative Game port, or the Acronis TrueImage backup. Those probably aren't going to be a problem, but I do need to do a little more research on them. No issues for the Creative Autogy audio processor. No problems with the monitor. No problems with any other hardware attached to the system. So I got a long list of devices shown as no action required. I like that. Then I reached the software area. Nero 7 will not run properly on Windows Vista. In fact, it has to be uninstalled before Windows Vista is installed. Nero, I know, is working on this, and they have had some trouble getting a, an application that will work properly with Vista. I'm not too concerned about that. It told me that Tweak UI, the Microsoft utility that makes some changes to the user interface, will not work properly. Well, I wouldn't really expect it to. It's designed to run on Windows XP. And there are some other applications that won't run properly, some Corel applications that will have updates available. Music Match Jukebox will not run properly, but probably has an upgrade coming. And interestingly, the Windows Messenger might have minor compatibility issues after upgrading to Windows Vista. For more information, go to the vendor's website, so it says. So Microsoft even reports incompatibilities with its own applications. Then it mentioned to me that there are some applications on my computer that are already certified for Vista. AVG 7.5, the antivirus program I use, for example, and Microsoft Office. Then down around page 6 of 8 pages, it gave me a task list, things that I need to do before installing Windows Vista. First and most important, Nero 7 has to be uninstalled before upgrading to Windows Vista. Then it says after upgrading, you can reinstall the program, but it might not work as expected due to compatibility issues. It directs me to the Nero website. 
things that I need to do after installing Windows Vista. Right at the top of the page, visit the Windows Update website. Download the latest critical updates for the system after installing Windows Vista. And it seems that Windows Vista will turn off my firewall. According to Microsoft, and I quote, Because of potential incompatibilities with third-party firewalls, Windows Firewall will be turned on to protect you after you install Windows Vista. You should only disable Windows Firewall if you install and enable a compatible third-party firewall. If you were using a third-party solution on Windows XP, you should contact your vendor to ensure that you have a Windows Vista-compatible program. Okay, fair enough. For hardware, my task list reminds me that my Epson scanner will not work with Windows Vista. And for more information, I have to visit the manufacturer's website. And I already know that there is an update available for it. So that's what you should expect if you're planning to upgrade to Windows Vista. Installation is not yet started. Probably won't happen until around the end of the month, just because of some other time crunch issues that I have right at the moment. I did receive, however, a story from a real Vista upgrader named Chris. He gave me permission to quote his report, and the report ends with, I guess the moral of the story is to make sure you do your research before you make a leap to Vista. He did have some problems with his installation. Take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com, and you can read his story there. Who would ever have expected exaggerations on the Internet? Okay, this is kind of a battle between irony and sarcasm. I'm not sure which one is winning. I had a car in the shop a week or so ago. Needed a rental car for just a single day. Went to the Internet to see what I could find. The best I could do without having to go to Port Columbus to get a car looked like $35 a day. If I'd been willing to go to the airport, I could have saved $10 or so. So when my continuing search suggested I could obtain a car for $10.58, I took a look. My Google search took me to Yahoo Travel. Search results, car rental deals to Columbus. $10.58, car rentals at CMH, from $10.58 per day. That's what the website said. I followed the link. What did I find? Lowest price, $32.49 a day. Wait a minute, what happened to that low price? Where did that go? So, in all fairness... I have to say that I had specified Worthington, and Worthington isn't Columbus, so I tried the search again, this time using Port Columbus. Same price, $32.49 a day. Hmm. $32.49, that's a little bit more than $10.58 a day, isn't it? In further fairness... Yahoo had suggested certain specific dates for that $10.58 rate. I didn't need a car on those days, but at this point I decided I wasn't going to rent one anyway. And I took a look to see what would happen if I rented the car from May 1st through May 4th. Those were the dates they suggested. And they said they could offer me prices from Dollar Thrifty Avis, Budget Enterprise, National Alamo Advantage, Fox, and YouSave. Well, now we're getting somewhere. But are we getting that $10.58 rate? Uh, not exactly. My choices were Enterprise at Port Columbus for $25 a day, Thrifty at Port Columbus for $24.87 a day, and Dollar at Port Columbus for $24.87 a day. Never did find that $10.58 rate anywhere. 
Maybe that rate is available on one car somewhere in Columbus on some day, but it's not regularly available. I'm not sure that I'd call what I just described lying, but it sure ain't full disclosure either. Speaking of somewhat less than full disclosure, recently I found in my spam inbox a message that called on me to download the latest Microsoft Internet Explorer 7 Beta 2. That hit kind of a strange chord because Internet Explorer 7 has been available as a full-fledged application for several months, not a beta. It seemed illogical that Microsoft would be promoting Beta 2, and indeed it was. Just click on the link and install it, quick and easy. That's what the email said. Maybe a little too quick, maybe a little too easy. I, of course, did not click on the link. The message claimed to come from Windows.com. That's a domain that Microsoft has registered. I've never seen Microsoft use it, though. I looked at the source code for the message, and of course it did not come from Windows.com or from Microsoft.com. It came, it claimed, from a Bill Bond at Bun.com. And then there was a lot of just junk, meaningless text in there. Spammers put in the junk text in an effort to get past spam filters. In this case, it hadn't gotten past my spam filter. It was right there in the spam box. I just look in there from time to time. So if I had clicked the link, where would it have taken me? It would have taken me to global-express-courier.info in the images directory to a file called update.exe, an executable file. Wow, that probably would have been a bad thing to get on my computer, don't you think? The website in question is registered to an address in Great Britain, which may or may not be accurate. It's hard to tell. The moral of the story, if you receive a message that claims to be from Microsoft or anybody, whether you've done business with them or not, unfortunately, you have to assume it's a fraud. Instead of following a link, manually type the address in. In this case, it would have been www.microsoft.com forward slash IE to see if there really is an update. Worthington to Paris without an airplane. Think you can do that? Google thinks you can, or some joker at Google thinks you can. Take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website. Read about the Worthington to Paris without an airplane route. Unspam Technologies is suing spammers for $1 billion. Asking for that on behalf of members of Project Honeypot. That's a group of users who have been collecting spam for the past couple of years. The suit seeks damages for users of more than 2.5 million IP addresses from thousands of John Doe defendants. The suit was filed in the Eastern District of Virginia. It's the first time that this particular tactic has been used. The suit challenges the practice of email harvesting, which is the main way spammers get the addresses they use. Project Honeypot has been aimed at collecting evidence that can be used in that suit. The Internet Law Group in Washington, D.C. is representing the group. Attorney John Prades says that he and his company have experience in this particular area, having been involved in suits brought by Verizon and others against Alan Ralski and AOL's big suit against both CN Productions and Cyber Entertainment Network. Prade says that the number of spammers who scrape addresses from websites is relatively small, and if the lawsuit is successful, should put some of them out of business. That couldn't happen too soon. And at the bottom of this week's Technology Corner News, a non-technology item, 
Columbus College of Art and Design is finishing its 128th year of operation. Saturday's graduation included one Catherine Blinn. Bachelor of Fine Arts, graduating summa cum laude. Her website, which is quite a bit more fun to look at than mine, is at blinks.com, complete with an explanation of why she chose Blinks. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Also, check out the picture at the bottom from the CCAD Art Show on Friday night. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. This has been TechBiter Worldwide for the week of May 13, 2007. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com, and you can send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.